attend to your word now as pilgrims who are weary, as sinners who need a refuge, as, uh, as a people who uh, sometimes struggle to find life, to feel fulfilled. And so would you impart life to us now, God, through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. Well, this past week, uh, one night, I did what I guess all dads do at the end of the day. I meander around the property, my house, you know, with my keys jangling because this is my, my space, you know, and I'm picking up trash and turning off lights and what else do dads do? I don't know. That, um, fixing all the things that I had already fixed but have now broken again and um, well, I came across uh, in our patio, we have a, a, you know, the string of lights that goes from tree to tree and tree to roof and so on, and it, it makes the space beautiful and warm and inviting. And um, the only problem is that I was the one who put the lights up, and so they're broken. They were broken. Half the lights worked, and the other half didn't. Half-lit patio lights, half the beauty, half the energy, half the warmth. I mean, in all honesty, uh, half the patio, like I'd rather have no patio lights than half of a string working and the other half not, right? Doesn't that make you just want to throw your Christmas tree out when that happens at Christmas time? If the writer of, of Hebrews were describing uh, um, the writer's theme, one of the themes that we've been looking at must be to the readers of Hebrews, the original audience, to, to not let the disconnect happen. Don't, don't, don't fall away from the faith. Don't get unplugged. That's one way we've been saying it in the past few weeks. Don't lose power. Don't let Josh <laughs> tend to you as, as patio lights. Don't, don't, because in the patio lights, by the way, I had to go through all the little connections, all through the lights. Must have been three or four strands. And I had to examine every single connection, right? And only one of them was disconnected. I had to find the disconnect. The writer of Hebrews, all through these 12, now 13 chapters is saying, remain faithful. Hold on. Stay plugged in. Don't get disconnected. Well, now we get to chapter 13. So the last chapter and the whole epistle. And the writer of Hebrews is saying the same thing. Don't get disconnected. Stay faithful. Keep the maintenance up. And the writer says it like this. Keep your worship and your works together. Good worship and good works. You can't have one without the other. Uh, this is why we've provided a workman's ladder back here behind the uh, altar. As you can see, there's a holy water bottle sitting on top there. Just as a, as a means of illustration, we want to keep our work and our worship together. Now, I wonder, do you ever feel this disconnect in your own Christian life? Do you ever feel like a half-lit set of patio lights? 
like you're operating with half the energy, you're tired, you're drained spiritually or emotionally or relationally, you're weary of serving Jesus, right? Serving other people. One of the ways this can happen is not just in our behavioral good works, but the, wor- the worship experience itself can become like half-lit patio lights. What, what do I mean by that? What if church becomes for us just another pleasant tradition? Just another way to spend Christmas or Easter, right? Just a, a nice thing to do on Sunday mornings instead of yoga. Where, 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 did, where did the meaning of church go? Do you ever find yourself asking that? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful and showing up, but man, it feels like half the patio lights are on, right? Or you know that half the patio lights are happening in your life as a Christian, when we get to a passage like the one we're going to look at now in chapter 13, where there's a list of behaviors of do's and don'ts that reflect Christian living, and when you hear them, you feel a wearisome, painful reminder that you aren't living up to God's expectations or yours or anyone else's, because that's not the way that these words should sound. If that's the case, there's a disconnect in your Christian life. The patio lights aren't connected. Your worship and your work are not combined. We talk about it this way often on Sundays when we describe our vision at the cathedral as experiencing the love of God and Jesus, that's worship, and then embodying it with one another. So what we're saying today is work and worship, experience and embody have to stay together. That's how we're going to remain faithful like the, uh, the audience in the book of Hebrews. So today, the point, the point the writer of Hebrews is saying, oh, you're, you're, you're talking about a disconnect. I, I know that disconnect. It's between Sunday and Monday through Saturday. It's between church and life, worship and walk, worship and ethics, orthodoxy, that is the right praise with orthopraxy, the right practice between heart and holiness or experiencing and embodying the gospel. So if this is you, where, ask yourself, where? Where in your life is the disconnect? Where does it feel like you're an ugly, broken, half-lit strand of patio lights and you see Josh Bales walking toward you with a pair of pliers? Because you should run if that's you. Let's look at this text together. You can find it on page 177 of the Blue Pew Bible. Chapter 13, the last chapter in this long, one extended argument to stay faithful. Page 177, we're going to keep our Christian life connected to Christ, our sacrifice rooted in Christ's sacrifice. Where do we see this in the text? Look, look with me at verses 1 through 6. An initial reading which begins with, let mutual love continue. And then, by the way, the verses that follow really just flesh out verse 1. Let mutual love continue. Well, what, is that? what does that mean? What does it mean to let mutual love continue? Well, verse 2, show hospitality to strangers. Verse 3, empathize and suffer with those who are suffering, like those in prison who are being oppressed, perhaps unjustly, in the case of the, the Hebrews. Uh, verse 4, let mutual love continue in terms of sexuality, purity, and marriage. 
Verse 5, let love, mutual love continue in how you handle money. Verse 7, in how you handle authority and your leaders. Do you see how this flows? All of this is wrapped around letting mutual love continue. And it's a focus on others, not just ourselves. By the way, have you ever thought about sexuality in those terms? Often in our culture right now, we think of sexuality as, man, why does, why does it feel like God has to tell me what to do with myself or my sexuality or my body? But that's not really the point. The, the heart of the scriptures is how we honor others by giving up ourselves, even in our sexuality, right? It's others focused. How do you love others? How do you help them honor the vows that they've made? And so on. All of this, though, whether it's money or sex or whatever it is, mentioned in chapter 13, wrapped around this theme of letting mutual love continue, your good works. But here we go, because this is the place when we start to feel the disconnect. When preachers read passages like this, which are scattered all through the New Testament in the epistles, right? At the end, the writers enjoy moving to the imperatives. Jesus has done this for you. Now respond to God in obedience, blah, blah, blah. But so often it just starts to feel like a heavy weight on our shoulders. Weird things, weird things start happening in your minds and hearts. I know because I sit out there too when I hear a list like this read. Some of us think, whoa, 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 when did God, <laughs> when did God become such a fundamentalist? I mean, can you believe it? Wow. I came here today because it's a pretty building, thank you, and the music is gorgeous, and I wanted to be reminded of how bad it is to find parking in downtown Orlando. That's all I wanted. Others are thinking, okay, wow, I'm a horrible person. I don't like people. I definitely don't like strangers. I've never visited a prisoner. I've been a prisoner, some of you are thinking, but I've not visited one, right? And, I've, and, I, and I know that the Lord is my helper when it comes to finances, but God is going to need to up his game because of inflation and all that. In other words, when we read passages like this, the patio lights slowly but surely start to get disconnected. We become disconnected from the altar, from experiencing God's love for us. We forget that there's no such thing as embodying God's love toward others in verses one through six with our money, with our sex, with our hospitality or anything else unless we've experienced it. How do you know how to embody love for strangers unless you know that you were estranged from God when he poured his love out and reached out and brought you in up to the altar? How do you know what it means to be secure whether you have money or not? regardless of what inflation does, unless you know that your security is centered around this altar where God has poured out and lavished his gifts for you, right? You can't embody what you haven't experienced. You can't embody what you haven't experienced. And it's hard because verses one through six are full of sacrifice, this is one of the words that gets repeated over and over in the whole book of Hebrews. Christ's sacrifice, 
our sacrifice now is being discussed, but really Christ's sacrifice is the one that's been talked about for 12 chapters, right? So don't read the 12 chapters of Hebrews and then get to chapter 13 and cut off that chapter. Now we're going to talk about our sacrifice, but it comes after 12 chapters of Christ's sacrifice for us. We're merely passing on what we've already been given when we give up ourselves for others in money or sex or in suffering or whatever it is. Even in verse 8, which we skipped over, look at verse 8 with me. Because here's one of the main themes of you can sacrifice, you can do this good work only because of this. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The only way you can always embody the experience of God's love is because God's love is always available to you. There is always a source of power. It's a source of power that does not go out. It's not about whether your, uh, whether your, your plugs, your lights, your behavior, your whatever is working correctly. Jesus is there, full of power, at this altar, ready to give himself to you, to empower you to love others sacrificially. The power is always on. Once again, the question is, are you connected? And have you reconnected where there's been a disconnect? Now, consider this question, because here's one of the implications. What makes our good deeds distinctively Christian? I mean, anybody can do good deeds, right? But now think about it in light of Jesus' sacrifice, especially for the writer of Hebrews and all of the New Testament authors. Sacrificial good deeds are distinctively Christian because they find their origin in being sacrificially loved. Someone outside of ourselves put this sacrifice in us. And then when we pass it on, it's not just the origin of the sacrificial deeds, it's the end. Because when we pass that on, other people experience not just Josh, but Jesus in Josh, right? That's the point. Not that you would walk away from being loved in how I do money or sex or suffering or hospitality or anything else that you experience me. It's that you get to taste of Jesus's love somehow. It's something that goes beyond me and beyond you. That's a distinctively Christian good deed. The author Henry Nouwen describes this in a memorable way. He calls it living the Eucharistic life. Living a Eucharistic life. Eucharist is a word you probably hear often. It's actually the name of this worship service, Holy Eucharist, we call it. Eucharist means thanksgiving. It's, it's uh, like the, the book of Hebrews, this worship service called thanksgiving is saturated with elements of sacrifice. There's a priest and an altar, right? There are gifts brought up to the altar to be raised to God. Sacrifices everywhere. I think this is a wonderful way then of mending the disconnect that happens between worship and work, between experiencing the gospel and embodying it. It's like, what if you could take Eucharist with you? What if you could put the cathedral in a box and put it in your pocket? And every time you had a chance to live in a way that diverted from the first six verses of Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verses one through six. You could pull out that little box, you could open it up and a little waft of incense 
singed your nose hairs, right? Right there. And suddenly you remembered that you were loved. What if when it came time uh, to write the checks and pay the bills and whatever else this week, you pulled out a little box that had the cathedral and you opened it up and you heard, <laughs> you heard the choir singing something like they just sang, a refuge for sinners, right? A rest for pilgrims. And you, you smelled the incense again and you, you heard the choir and you... You got a glimpse of the stained glass in that little box and you thought, oh yeah, I don't have to fear around finances. I'm secure in Jesus Christ. What if? This would be living the Eucharistic life, like putting worship in a box, taking it with you everywhere you go, all week long, trusting that you're not embodying the gospel in your own power. You're just passing on what you have experienced. Friends, what we reenact and celebrate every weekend together is the sacrificial love of Jesus for us. And the only way we can embody that love is to experience it first. So let's do that together now as we turn to God's holy altar. Amen.